Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believer's Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. So, so honored to be here tonight, and um, I don't know if all of you know this, but back years ago, we were here with Pastor Joe and Gina as part of their staff and did the youth at that time. And um, so it's, it's a real honor just to come back and, and speak into you tonight. So I'm going to talk to you about something tonight. I just wondered if you, if you have a device here tonight that you can take notes with or a pen or uh, something that you can write something down, would you, do, would you do me a favor and just write something down real quickly? You know how sometimes you'll do certain tests and they'll tell you, first word that comes to your mind, write that down. So I'm going to have you do that. So here's what I want you to do. Um, I want you to write down the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear this. What negative label has been placed on you by yourself or by others? And what is that label? So in other words, what, what's something negative that people have tried to label you with? It could be, you know, um, you know, for me, I've got multiple labels that people have done over the years for me. So for you, it could be a partier, it could be a doormat, something that as soon as you hear that, I want you to just jot down real quickly because whatever you're jotting down at the end here in a little bit, we're going to just go ahead and pray because I don't believe God wants you to have labels that are negative that are on you. And um, so I want to I take you back just for a moment. So I have, I have multiple labels that were put on me before I knew Christ. Now, understand this. When labels are put on you, a lot of times it's because like for me, the labels I'm about to tell you about, they were put on me because I actually deserved them. And so sometimes labels are things people put on you, but the problem is you can lean into or live into the labels that people put on you. So the danger is if you live into the label that someone puts on you or you put on yourself, you'll become that label. Labels, labels will start to actually influence your life. So if you have someone put this label on you, then you get influenced the rest of your life by that label. So mine all started, so I'm from here, right? You know that. Mine all started in fourth grade. You probably heard many stories from my brother Joe about me. Some of them are not true. It's actually him that did that, and he's just telling the story. But anyway, um, so my first label, St. James, fourth grade. I'm going to school at this elementary school there. My teacher's name is Mrs. Kipper. I know she's not alive because she was old then. So um, I can tell this story with all confidence that she won't hear it. So all of a sudden, she disappears. She's, she's no longer at the school. And I'm, I'm like, wow, she's gone. I was so happy because um, she wasn't there anymore. And so one day, I asked Sister Mary Edwarden, who was the principal of the school, I said, where's Mrs. Kipper? Now, remember, I'm, I'm in fourth grade. And she said, she's no longer here. So I, I brought some labels just to help me out. And you are the reason why. And you are a bad boy. So it was the first label that got put on me, that I was bad. And I just realized part of this didn't, didn't come up. So I was like, okay, I mean, you're in fourth grade, you're bad. And she started labeling me that. So throughout school, I was considered a bad boy, a bad kid. You did not want me in your class, right? So then I started playing football um, here in Warren at the Warren Little Eagles. They had a little team that they played. And this one never stuck with me because I didn't allow it to. Bad boy did for a long time. And my football coach decided at the Little Eagles that I was a spaghetti bender and a wop. 
So if you're Italian, you know what those are. And if you're not Italian, you might have called someone who is Italian those names. And um, so Spaghetti Bender. It was awesome. So you know what happens when all your friends hear that, that are playing football with you, they start calling you those names, right? And so you have a, you have a, you have a way to say, I'm going to not live my life with those names, or I'm going I'm to change it. But just moving on real quick, I went to St. Mary's Middle School, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. And uh, my brother Joe and I were just talking about this the other day um, when, my, when we were in the hospital with my dad. And um, at St. Mary's, they divided you up into groups. And I was in group five. Now, group five can either be good or bad. It just depends on how they determined, right? Group one was the smartest kids in the school. Group two was the semi-smartest kids in the school. Three, that you were middle. Four, you were okay. And five, this is what I was called, stupid. So I was in the stupid group. It's awesome. And um, so, so throughout St. James, I was known as stupid, dumb. Isn't that cool? No, not really. And then um, I, I moved past that and started to be called something different once I got into high school. Um, you all know John F. Kennedy High School. I was there in ninth grade, got kicked out for too many detentions in one year. So my dad, you all remember him, right? My dad came with me to the principal's office before the 10th grade start of that year. I had to have a meeting and they said, you will be on probation this whole year and how you act and respond will determine. So I said a few words that I shouldn't have and got up and walked out and left my dad there. He wasn't happy. Um, You could imagine my dad that that happened. Um, So I went to Howland High School and I decided to start a new leaf there, and my name became Partier. I partied a lot. Started doing certain things that I shouldn't, like smoking pot, smoking hash. I even tried acid on my eyelids. I thought that would have been a cool thing. It wasn't. Anyway, so then someone labeled me because I started doing, I think because I started partying, doing some drugs, they labeled me a loner. Anyone here ever have someone say, you're just a loner? Well, that's what I was. I was a loner. And then one last one. I, got, I get into high school. My brother Joe's probably told you the stories about this. But it seemed like I was in a fight daily, but for sure weekly. And I would tell Joe, I would tell him, I'd, I'd say, Joe, you know, I'm going to be in a fight today. It's after lunch. Can you come and just be there in case? Joe is sort of my protector. <laughs> In case something doesn't go right here, you can be there for me. And so I got labeled as mean. I was the mean guy. And so there's a bunch of other ones. Trust me, I, there's some that I can't mention the names here, here in church. But I had these labels, and here's what happens. Labels can start having power over you. And if you don't watch out, you can let all these labels that I put on me, you can start letting them be the things that ruin your life or you can decide, I'm not going to have these labels be. Do I have them all? Yeah. I'm not going to have these labels be the thing that determines who I'm going to be. Now, you heard, you heard um, my brother Joe say this, but we had, a, we had an experience with Jesus, and that changed, like, everything in my life. But I want to talk to you about this because here's what I've seen. You can still have labels on you and allow labels on you and put labels on yourself even once you accept Christ in your life. And I think that's the most dangerous thing, is when you allow a label to get on you, even though now it can, you know, I think some of the worst kind of labeling happens when it's someone you love. 
like when it's a wife saying it about the husband or when it's a husband saying it about the wife and you've labeled them and you say it over and over about them and next thing you know, they're labeled for the rest of their life with some label you've put on them or here's even worse, we can label ourselves, right? Many of us have put our own labels on ourselves. There, there can be someone here tonight, you call yourself stupid all the time. What you're doing is you're labeling yourself. I'm just stupid, right? You do the Chris Farley thing and, and, and you're always, well, some of you won't know who Chris Farley is. I probably shouldn't use the example, but you're always saying, oh, I'm just stupid. And that labels you. And then you go through life with that label causing you to go through the rest of your life being a person who has these labels that always are on them. So here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk to you about breaking those labels, getting rid of them off of your life. And, you know, we want to, we want to say it's some kind of, well, it's just a magic prayer, which I will pray for you at the end of this. It's just a magic prayer, and we say one magic prayer, and all the labels are gone. But it's more than that. I think you have to actively know some things and do some things to get rid of labels that are in your life. So, so here's my question to you. What, what, what would happen if you had a new view, a new God-centered view in your life? What, what, what would happen if you had that in your life? 2 Corinthians, I think most of you know it, uh, chapter 5, verse 17 says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has become. Here's something interesting. So um, my wife and I, uh, we just celebrated in, in April of this past year, um, 36 years of marriage. So we graduated from Hallen High School. Um, it's, it's, it's just actually amazing that I graduated from there. I do have a diploma, but it was, I barely graduated from there. And um, 36 years. So on our wedding day, a lot of our friends came. We had both accepted Christ. Many of them did not know that, but a lot of them came. And here's what they said to us. And I'm going to show you that you can have this whole new outlook in life, and God can give you a whole new label versus the ones they tried to put on you. This is what we were told. Our friends came to the wedding, and each one of them that came through the line said this, there are bets going on that you guys will not be married for longer than one year, and not because of her, but because of you. I was like, awesome. I mean, that's just exciting. They did not know that I had a transformation that went on in my life, something that happened. They, they didn't know about it. So they were looking at the guy that I was in school, the guy that they hung out with, and they were like, you're, you're, going, to, you're going to be ruining this marriage. It will not last longer than a year. So we're, we're, we're glad and we're thankful that it's, it's been now 36 years. So I'm thankful for that. But anyway, um, yeah, so thanks. So if you're going to break loose from labels, I believe there's, there's some things that you have to do. So if, you're, if you have something to jot some notes down, because you know you'll remember this better if you do. So if, if you have an ability to do that, it'll help you to remember this. But if you're going to get labels off of you, there's some things I believe that you have to do. The first thing is simply this, and you can just jot this down, and that is um, understand that God will give you a new name, a new label, in other words. And, and I sort of look at it this way. In Isaiah 62.2, it says, you will be called by a new name. You'll be called by a new name. Um, and he goes on and says, that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. So here's the way that I look at it. God has naming rights. You know, you, you all know this, right? And you heard my brother Joe, so we'll use Cleveland as an example. I won't, I won't use Pittsburgh as an example. I know that's not good. Um, Cleveland has a football stadium, and it's, it's named after 
whoever puts the most money out, they name that, right, after them. So First Energy Stadium, and then Quicken Loans Arena. Those are named because someone put up a whole lot of money to name them. Well, Jesus, when he died, he gave his whole life and paid a price so that you could get a new name. It would not be the same as the way it used to be. You get this new name. And the new name, he says, I'll name you. And so we go through Scripture, and you can find it out through Scripture. Not going to go through every person right now. But if you look through Scripture, um, there are a bunch of people that got different names given to them. Like if you go to the Old Testament, right, you have Abram. God changed his name to Abraham, father of many nations. So if you go back into the Old Testament and look at Gideon, everybody knows who Gideon was, but Gideon said, there's no way that I could do what God's asking me to do. And God put this label on him and said, you're a mighty man of valor and you can do whatever I'm asking you to do. So God loves to take who you are in your weakness, in your inability, and who you think, I can't do this. And God loves to just go ahead and stick a new, a new label on and say, this is, this is not the name that you're going to go by. And so we, we, I think we all know there's different people. Jacob is very interesting because in the Old Testament, God changed Jacob's name to Israel. Jacob simply meant deceiver. And if you study about Jacob, you know he did a lot of bad things. And he changed his name over and he said, listen, I'm going to call you Israel. And Israel is the God who prevails is what it stands for. So he changed his name. And so tonight I believe that God wants to do the same thing with you. Whatever people have called you, whatever people have said about you, whatever people have labeled you, and even if some of them are true, we can live into the new name. We can live into the new, into the new label. Because sometimes, man, we, we have labels that are on us. Every label that I showed you, and there, I'd have to cover my whole body with labels of what people said about me, all of the labels were true. And I was living into them. So in other words, this is what they said about me, and I made sure every one of those labels were true. I remember after we received Christ, I, I was telling my mom one time we were talking about some of the things we did when we were growing up. And I was just telling her some of it. She'd never heard it before. And she said, please stop. She said, I do not want to hear that. And she was really like mad. She was like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that you guys were out doing that stuff. And she did not realize all the labels that were on me. She didn't know all of those labels, but she did not realize I lived into the label and lived it out in my life. And I, I think about young people when, when, when I was young and I wish someone would have told me, you don't have to be what people are saying you have to be. I just thought that that's what they're saying about me, that this is who I am. I'm going to live right into what they're saying about me. You don't have to. And if you're here tonight and you're an adult and your whole adult life, you've lived into names that people have said about you or labels that people have said about you, you can change that. You do not have to, you do not have to live into a label someone has said about you. So second thing, and, and I think this is so vital, God will give you a new purpose. And I think, I think most of you know the story if you uh, are a person that reads your Bible. Simon um, Peter was an educated uh, or an uneducated individual. He was not educated, he was uneducated, and God decided to choose him. And think about, think about this. Uh, this guy had, he was pretty unstable, and he, and he pretty, pretty much had a bad temper. I mean, when you think about 
If you're here and you're like, I, I don't know, what did Simon ever do something like he shouldn't have done? Here's just one, one thing real quickly, this Simon guy that God chooses and Jesus chooses. Simon one day is in the garden with Jesus and decides to cut the ear off of a soldier. Now remember, Simon is an uneducated fisherman that has a sword trying to cut off not their ear. You understand that, right? He got a sword in his hand. He wasn't going to use it to cut an ear off. Like He wasn't thinking, I think I'm going to just try to slice the ear. Right? He was thinking, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off. Whatever he was aiming at, we don't know. Because he's a fisherman. He's not someone who is a soldier and understands how to use a sword. But because he was unstable, right? I mean, if you, if you start studying about Simon, this guy was unpredictable. He's unstable. And Jesus finds him and he says, I'm going to change the label that is on you from all of that in a, from a fisherman to a fisher of men. I'm going to change it over to that. Watch what this says. Jesus, in Matthew 16, verse 17 and 18, replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So, so God changed everything about this guy. All of a sudden, I don't know if you understand this, he wasn't born a rock, but all of a sudden, Jesus says, you're going to be a rock, and he had to go ahead and live into what, what Jesus said about him. He had to live into being a rock. You understand this, right? He's the furthest thing from a rock when Jesus said what he said to him. But all of a sudden, because he also had a transformation come into his life, he is going to live into being a rock. So here's what I want you to know. There are times you have to hear what your purpose is or what your label is or what God is saying about you, and you'll have to live into it. But if you understand this, it will, it will, change, it will change everything about you if you know God's got something different to say about me, and then I'm going to start leaning into that. I'm going to start living into that instead of being a person that just says, this is the way it's been for years. So it sort of works like this. If you were an addict and God comes and changes your life, you can actually help someone who is an addict now because you came out of that. If you were someone, you know, you're here and you say, man, I had such a problem with uh, alcohol and, and now you, you've been delivered from that, you can help someone else come out of that. And it's all because you lived into... I, man, think about Peter. Before, before Pentecost in the book of Acts, Peter was not the guy you really wanted to pat, pattern your life after, right? I mean, think about Peter. Denied Jesus three times. I mean, that, that, was, that was like awesome. So he's, he's not the guy that you really want to say, that's the guy that I really want to pattern my life after. But after the day of Pentecost, when all, all of it happened in the book of Acts, this guy becomes, out of his greatest weakness, becomes his greatest strength. All of a sudden, you know, that, that, that guy that sort of was a hothead and would lose his temper, he became a person that was passionate now about Jesus. And I think if you can understand that, that wherever you're at right now, whatever failures you have right, right now, whatever weakness you have right now, you can now lean into what God's saying about you, and you can become a person who now lives into the, from the weakness you were into the strength that God now has for you. We all can do that. And then real quick, if, if you're taking notes, this last one that I want to talk to you about is simply this, third thing, God will give you a new future. 
God will give you a new future. And I, I, I want to look at Jeremiah 29, 11. It says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Well, let me just show you how it works. Let me, let me show you how this practically works in the life of a person. This is how this works. Many of you know the story in Scripture. If you go back to the book of Joshua, you know the story of Rahab the harlot, right? So Rahab is a prostitute. In the Scripture, eight different times it says Rahab the harlot, the prostitute. Six times, you'll, if you study Scripture out, six of those times, it literally describes her, her, it's her job description. She is a harlot. She is what she is. But then she ended up, she ended up deciding that she was going to help two men. If you read the story back in the book of Numbers and read the book of Joshua, she decides to help two of these people that have this God, this God that supposedly is on their side. She decides, I'm going to help them. Maybe even thinking in her mind, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind serving this same God. So she ends up marrying a guy, and the guy that she marries is a godly guy. And I think you probably have heard it before if you've been in church, but she has a great, 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 great grandson, and his name is Jesus. Now, I don't, I don't know if it means anything to you or not, but how on God's earth does God redeem something like you are a harlot, you are a prostitute, and then she gets in contact with this God of Israel. Remember, this isn't the New Testament. This isn't grace. This isn't God doing what he does under our covenant that he does. This is under the Old Testament. She comes into contact with a God who is a God of mercy. She comes into contact with a God who could change everything. So check out her, how her future is changed. She's mentioned out throughout the Old Testament as a harlot. Her job description is she is a prostitute. And all of a sudden, God takes this woman because she comes into a relationship with Almighty God. And God decides, you know what? I think I'm going to let my son come through your lineage. And she has a great, 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 great grandson, Jesus. And when we all come to church and we all worship Jesus, I don't think any of us ever think he has a great, 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 great grandmother who was a harlot. Jesus, we do praise you. Right? We don't come to church thinking that. But what it should make us think is this. However bad your life is right now, whatever you're going through right now, whatever you've done, whatever you've messed up in in life, whatever you've done where you're like, I've been so bad that if God can take someone who was a harlot and bring his son through that lineage, then he can take you through this Jesus that we now serve. He can forgive you of whatever you've done. He can turn your life around no matter what you've done in life. He can just completely turn your life around and use you and give you a future. Check this out. Philippians, almost done. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. He says, no, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it yet, Paul the apostle, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on and reach the end, uh, uh, to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus Christ is calling me. And here's, here's what I, I love that the Apostle Paul says. He's telling us, you don't have to look and say, ma'am, I live in my past. If I lived in my past, I'd be the same person that I was all the way back then. But I decided I don't want to live in my past. 
I decided I want to have the future that God has for me. So I thought this is really cool, and, and we'll close this up. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but all scientists agree, and aerodynamic people agree, that the bumblebee is not able to fly, period. The bumblebee is not able to fly. The problem is no one ever told the bumblebee. Because here's what scientists say. Here's what those that work with aerodynamics say. They say this, the wings are too small. And this is what they literally say. It should be either crawling on, on, you know, just down there crawling or just be on the ground because it should not ever be in the air. So in other words, the label on a bumblebee should be this, you can't fly. But because no one can get that across to the bumblebee, he's never listened, right? So this happens to us because you know this, as soon as someone starts telling you something that you cannot do or you'll never be, then you start to believe it. You start to think, oh, that is true. I, I can't ever do that, right? I, I, I would bet if there were people from my high school that I went to school with here in this room tonight, they would tell you this, he can't do this. Let, let, let me tell you what, let me just tell you this real quickly. In ninth grade at John F. Kennedy High School, one of my classes was speech, speech class. I was going to get up in front of people and talk in front of people. I went the first day to class, and this is what they said. You will be standing up here, and you will be saying things in front of this class. You'll be doing all this stuff, reciting things and all of that. I went right down. As soon as I was done, I went right down to the guidance counselor and said, I don't want to be in that class ever. And I got out of it got into another class. Why? Because I thought, I never want to get up and speak in front of people. I could never do that. My brother Joe and my brother Tony owned a bodybuilding gym in Boardman, Ohio. And they were hosting some event there. And my mom and dad made sausage, Italian sausage and peppers. And they were selling it. And they asked me to get up. They said, would you get up and let them know lunch is going to be served and here's what it is. I got up with a microphone and was shaking and, and couldn't say the words. And now for a living, I think God has a sense of humor. For a living, I get up week after week and speak in front of people. God loves, according to what I can read in Scripture, God loves to take the foolish things to confound the wise. And I, and I look sometimes and I think God definitely did this with my life. There is no way I should be doing what I'm doing but I refuse to allow the labels that got on me to stick. And I wanna encourage you, whatever someone has said about you, whatever, whatever you think about yourselves, sometimes our own labels are the thing that hurt us more than anything. I'll never be able to do that. I never could see myself doing that. No, I want you to know before you walk out tonight that whatever label someone's tried to put on you or you put on yourself, we're gonna be praying here just in a moment and we're going, to get, we're going to just pray and ask God to help you get rid of that thought process and label off of your life. And tonight starts a new beginning for you that you don't have to live your life that way. Would you just bow your heads just for a moment? Father, in Jesus' name, we're so thankful that you have plans that are better than our plans and that you have a future for every one of us, that life can be better than it is right now. And Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person that wrote down whatever negative thing 
negative label or thing that's been said about them. I pray for them right now in Jesus' name. The label that is on them is removed in Jesus' name and that they start seeing themselves with the new label, whatever God has said about them. We thank you, Father, that each one of us are new creations in Christ Jesus, and we take that label, and we're going to lean into that label, and we're going to lean in on our lives to the things you've said about us and become everything that you have said about us, Father. We thank you for it. I pray for every individual in this room that you open their eyes up, that they have a better future than they have right now, that's gonna be better than it is right now, and that they have a better label on them than they have right now. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Eyes are closed, heads are bowed just for a moment. If you, you might be here tonight before we close out and maybe you've never received Christ into your life or maybe you've received Christ in your life or you've you gotten away from God. You're far, you're far from God and you feel like, I just need to, make, I need to make a fresh commitment to God or I need to go ahead right here tonight and I need to um, receive Jesus into my life. Now, whether you're young or old, I believe that God has this plan for your life. But the first thing you have to lean into is Jesus. The first thing you have to do is make a step towards him and say, I need Jesus in my life. Jesus is the only one that can transform a life like he did with me. He can do that same thing with you. So if you're here tonight and you say, you know what? I don't know Jesus or I do know him, but I've gotten away from him and I'd like to make a fresh commitment. Could I ask you to, to do me a favor tonight? Maybe you're here and you need Jesus in your life. You need to make a fresh commitment. Would you do something while eyes are closed? Everyone's just in an attitude of prayer. Heads are bowed. If you're here and you say, man, that's me. I need, I need Jesus in my life. I need, I need this in my life here tonight. If that's you while eyes are closed, would you do me a favor? Would you just go ahead right now and just slip your hand up? We just want everyone in this room to be able to, to rejoice with you. So we want to just pray with you. So if, if, if you're here and you're like, man, I need this. I need Jesus. I need to make a commitment in my heart. Just put your hands up real, real high. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Now leave your hands up because we have, I believe the, the ushers are going to give, uh, get you a something to put into your hands. So if you have that hand up, just go ahead and leave it up so that the ushers can see you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Over here, some, some of the young people, thank you so much. You're here and you say, man, that's me. The Lord's dealing with my heart. God's dealing with my heart. Let me tell you how that looks. Sometimes there's like a battle going on and you know I need to raise my hand and it feels like something's trying to pull your hand down. If you're here and that's you and there's a battle going on on the inside, I want to just ask one more time, if God is dealing with your heart and you know, man, I need this tonight, just, just lift your hand up. Join these others that have lifted their hands up. Just be bold and say, you know what? I need help. I need help tonight. Thank you. I just want to pray a simple prayer with all of you that raised your hand. I'm going to ask everybody in the room. There's another hand here in the center. If, if you raised your hand, I'm gonna ask you to pray this simple prayer, but I'm gonna ask everybody in the room to do it together. So can we all say this out loud? Just repeat it after me. Oh God, I believe that Jesus died for me. I repent of my sins and I ask Jesus to come into my heart. I thank you now that you forgive me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Can we give it up for all of those that uh, raised their hand tonight? 
Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast. Follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram to stay updated, inspired, and encouraged.